Welcome, everybody, to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friend Alyssa, and this is the re-entry episode. <laughs> After uh, we a took long some, break. Yeah, we took a long break. <clears throat> took a break over Christmas and holidays and stuff, and here we are, ready to get back into the Book of Romans. I hope you're having a great day. How's your day going? Not too bad. Yeah? Pretty early in the morning, so. It's not that early. It's almost <laughs> 10 o'clock. <laughs> Thanks for rolling out of bed. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, we usually start the show. See, here I am. Not like, how do we start this show? Like <laughs> um, so we usually start this show by uh, talking about something I don't know anything about. It's a long list, and Alyssa scours the dark bowels of the internet to find something I don't know anything about. So what do you got for me? I think this is a pretty easy one. I think you, you might know this one. Okay. But what is the smallest country in the world? The smallest country. So the word Liechtenstein just popped into my head. No. No? Monaco? Nope. Is it that guy with like the... Kind of a trick question. Yeah, so there's a guy who has like a number of old World War II towers. What's that place called? I don't know. I don't think that's an official country. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Nope. Don't got it. Uh, The Vatican City. Oh, the Vatican City. Yeah. It is 120 times smaller than Manhattan. Wow. <clears throat> so that's so, a country inside a country. It's almost like have you seen those sovereign citizens who get arrested? Oh yeah, on like TikTok and whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that works. How Vatican City is its no, own? No, 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 not how oh, va- like, no, like how a sovereign. sovereign citizen works. Like, can I just like declare my independence and like now my house, my third of an acre is now Tadistan. It it doesn't really work that way in the USA. I don't think I can't just do that. No. What if I was on an island? I mean, if you found an abandoned island somewhere, then yeah. So there's a lake with an island, and there's an island on the lake, and there's an island in that lake. That's the perfect place, (laughs) surrounded by like a double moat. I don't know that I'd want to be a sovereign citizen. Sounds like a lot of work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have to fill out your taxes for yourself. There's there's the upside, right? Yeah. Can sovereign citizens not pay taxes? I mean, how many citizens do you have to have to be a country? Because I know, like, you have village versus town versus city. But if you're sovereign, you can just decide for yourself, right? <clears throat> like, you can write your own dictionary. Every third Tuesday is Quanco Day. <laughs> it's whatever. Yeah. Wow, Every Monday is a federal holiday. Yeah. Every day is a federal holiday. There, there's no more Mondays. <laughs> no more Mondays. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> so if you are a sovereign citizen, we'd like to know more. <laughs> I mean, not a lot more, but we'd be interested. Yeah. Okay, so today, uh, kind of re-entry, um, we've been talking about the Book of Romans, and there's this section in Romans, we'll start in 7 and then kind of back up from there because that's where we were this weekend Mm -hmm. seven and in seven there's this section um that's kind of um like it's even hard it's hard for me to read i always bobble it when i read it no it's very Um, confusing yeah because paul's uh so uh romans 7 14 we know that the law is spiritual but i am unspiritual sold as a slave to sin okay i do not understand what i do for what i do Nope. See, I messed it up yeah. already. All right, hang on. Uh, verse 15. 
I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I, dang it, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. How many times is do in that paragraph? There's a lot of do, do, do in there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, And so Paul's talking, and this is where it gets kind of hard because I think a lot of Christians have had this experience, you know, when you realize that God wants you to do or not do something, and then you think, okay, I won't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's hard. Um, Did you make any New Year's resolutions? No. Smart. Very smart. Um, For (laughs) me, you know, this was, you know, I I figured coming into the year, I was going to have to get more serious about diet and exercise. And so I'm, I'm off sugar. Mm-hmm. which is my jam, right? <laughs> and so the other night I had the sugar dream. I yeah. had, uh, it was a cheap box of fake Oreos. Now I have a problem with my dream and I have been talking to myself about this. If if I was going to have a dream about going whole hog on the sugar train, right? why would I not have mega stuffed Oreos? Like the real thing. It's because they've, they've, like, your double stuffed is now what the regular stuffed was. Do you know they have thins? Yeah. That's ridiculous. If the Oreo people happen to listen to this, <laughs> that is not okay. Mega stuff is the thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could even, I'm so bad, I could take half the cookie off and put a mega stuff with a mega stuff. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. A giga stuff. Is that bigger than mega? I don't know. <laughs> So I'm having this dream because I'm off the sugar, right? <clears throat> and my dream was eating these off-brand le- um, Oreos excessively mm-hmm. and just kind of like shoveling them in. That, I think, represents this, right? Because I have this rule that I'm trying to follow. Yeah. And yet <clears throat> my body and my mind don't want to follow the rule. So I'm struggling within myself to follow this rule. By the mm-hmm. way, I'm doing great. <laughs> No real Oreos or fake Oreos. And no need to check under the bed for said wrappers. And nope. Not not cheating much at all these days. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where, and, and that's, that's important for this because, you know, Paul is not speaking as a Christian here. And you have to go back in the context to 7, um, seven, five and seven, four, five, and 6, okay? Because Paul starts in chapter 7 with an example. If the husband dies, the wife can remarry. Okay? Right. And in his time and culture, that was pretty much, uh, it was very man-centric. Men could get away with a lot. Um, <clears throat> women in the first century, Roman women, were starting to experience a lot more independence. Mm-hmm. Not so much Jewish women. So, um, and that doesn't mean to say that all women were like an oppressed class in the first century. They, you know, there were lots of good, good marriages and good husbands out there, um, <clears throat> but you never really hear about those. So anyway, uh, if a woman, if a man dies, the woman's free to remarry. That's the example. And then here's the principle in seven four. So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law 
through the body of Christ, so that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. In this principle, Paul goes back to the idea of death, and death is separation. So Paul is thinking as a Jewish Christian, and he's trying to encourage his fellow Jewish Christians that their relationship to the law is null and void. It's no longer legally binding in a sense. So the Jewish law. The Jewish law, yep. <clears throat> and that's where he's trying to tell, tell his brothers and sisters, his Jewish friends, he's like, look, we don't have to keep following all these rules and be mm-hmm. frustrated like we are mm-hmm. because Christ. And that's really the other part of this that's significant because in this thing, you know, when there was only the law, Paul didn't have these we, he didn't see these weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He threw his whole self into following the law. Now that Christ has come, he's like, wow, I see the frustration. I see the um, the thing that God was doing. God was doing a good thing to lead us to Christ. Now that we have Christ, why would we go back? Mm-hmm. Why would we keep going back and trying to follow the law? So Paul's thinking of Jewish Christians specifically in this section. And here's another like piece of evidence for that, Okay. In chapter 7, verse 5, he says, For when we were in the realm of the flesh, ding, 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 not a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. I was trying to solve the cookie problem only on my, by myself, on my own, no mm-hmm. community support, no nothing, none of God's help. Ugh, misery, right? <laughs> and this is, verse 5 is what Paul talks about in the rest of chapter 7. Okay. Okay. So the rest of chapter seven is really about the realm of the flesh, trying to follow the law with only human effort, and it results in this separation—separation separation from joy, from happiness, from from all kinds of good things. Mm-hmm. In verse six, Paul says this: "But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code." So verse six doesn't get expanded on until chapter 8. And here's where, like, the chapter divisions just really don't do you any favors. (laughs) Because if this is Paul's outline, the principle, point 1, point 2, he's going to expand on point 1, get to point 2 in chapter 8. Right. But if all we do is read chapter 7 and then think there's some sort of break there, some natural break that Paul intended, Mm -hmm. we might kind of miss that these two things are really two sides of the coin. Gotcha. And <clears throat> I use the analogy of a coach, right? And Ruth Ann, my wife, when she was in high school, they used to do high jumps face first. I, I'm not a high jumper. I'm more, oh, of, a, yeah. I'm more of a low jumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, jump right onto the couch. Um, but I can't. And, and while she was in high school, they went from going face first to going backwards. Right, because somebody discovered you could go higher by going backwards. Yeah, and people kept getting hurt going forward as right. well. Well, because you also tense up. You're seeing what's coming. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm Like I said, I'm low jumper. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you do the long jump? I, You know, I never really did much jumping. Um, I used to be able to, so when I was in high school, I took karate classes, right? Mm-hmm. And I was able to jump over a four-foot heavy bag. Okay. So that's about all the jumping I Hurdles. did. <laughs> I, I, I guess I could, I don't know. I didn't. Track was not a thing for me. I'm not a track guy. Gotcha. I'm so if you can't see me or you don't know me, I'm square. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still playing along, keep going. Um, 
<clears throat> so yeah, not really a track guy. So we switched from going. Yeah, that's okay. Thank you. That's why you're here to help me help my brain keep going. <laughs> they switched. And so Ruthann was actually like, she was in high school. One year she's going face first. Next year the coach says, okay, we're going to switch things up a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to go backwards. Can you imagine like a basketball team where the coach is like, okay, guys, we've been going forwards this whole time. New trick. We're going to go backwards. <laughs> I mean, it would it would change your mechanics. It would right. change everything. It would really your muscle memory. Like your your mind would have to do like this complete switch, mm -hmm. and the coach would have to describe the old way of doing it and the weaknesses in it. Now that the new way has been discovered, and that's right. what Paul's kind of doing here. He's like, look, the law, the good law, was used by sin for bad purposes to drag us down, to get us frustrated and upset. Um, <clears throat> now that Christ has come, there's a new way to think about the law. There's a new thing going on. And it's going to take some of those Jewish Christians some time to really work through that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can imagine a Jewish Christian would have been, or a Jewish person would have been raised with this real extreme separation from Gentiles. Mm -hmm. right? um, I don't know that I would, I mean, it is a race, there is a racial component to it. But I think in the ancient world, probably every people group was a little bit anti every other people group. Right. Right. So the Jewish people were very, very concerned about maintaining their unity as an ethnicity mm -hmm. and not becoming polluted or corrupted by other ethnicities. OK. Um, <clears throat> and so in that. I mean, it's reminding me of all of the um, cult documentaries that I've been watching. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things is, you know, they they make the decision, they escape from that way of living. Mm. And so then it takes a while for them to readjust to the English world or, you know, mm -hmm. whichever way you're going. But it takes yeah. a while to readjust to, <clears throat> oh, I'm not going to get in trouble if I talk to a stranger or, yeah. you know. Wear pants. Wear pants. I, I, I can cut my hair. I can, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy that... Um, you have these Jewish Christians who have been in that kind of community. I would say in a good way. Right? Yeah, I wouldn't say yeah, it's, it's like not. The, yeah, it's not, not like perfect, right? Right. Um, but they do have to change because now Paul says things like, uh, "All these Gentiles are your brothers and sisters in Christ." Mm -hmm. That's really radical, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's something that the church often misses out on, right? Mm -hmm. Because <clears throat> we're supposed to be a community where people can come to faith and grow in their relationship to God. And a lot of times they start at ground zero. Mm -hmm. They don't know anything. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> people might vape or smoke. People might be using recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. And they might be a recovering alcoholic and they fall off the wagon. Mm -hmm. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Love them? Help them? Mm -hmm. Sometimes at great cost. And that might mean that you have to be in a relationship, a very one-sided relationship with somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay, You don't want to be a crutch for them. Right. They do have to, you know, pull themselves together with God's help, but you can be there as a steady presence to help them do that. <clears throat> but it's not cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, it costs you time. It might cost you money. Um, it certainly would cost frustration and all kinds of things. But that's what God's doing here. Um, and so, what Paul is trying to help the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians, understand is that this new way is so much better that it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Right. But as a coach, he goes back in chapter 7, he says, let's think about the old way for a minute and the frustration and the problems that 
that, that were weaknesses and the weaknesses that were exploited by sin. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul does something called personification here, where he sort of personifies the concept of sin. Um, <clears throat> in verse 8, he says, Sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. Now, coveting is wanting what you're not supposed to have, like cookies. Mm-hmm. Right? And yet, there it is. Like, I want cookies mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> I want cookies. And some people say, well, you know, when you adjust to your new, you know, lifestyle, diet, way of living kind of thing, you won't want cookies as bad anymore. Nope. I don't think that's a thing for me. You <laughs> always want cookies. Okay. Sin does that. Like when there's a sin like coveting. Coveting, I think, is one of the really strong ones. Not To not even want internally something you're not supposed to have. That's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like don't murder. I'm crushing that. Right. So far, I haven't murdered anybody. Um, So far. He goes on to say that sin in verse 11, sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. And so this kind of goes back and points out some of the purpose of the law. So in verse seven, he says, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Mm-hmm. And so this is where, like, there are different purposes in the law. Some of the Mosaic law is health regulations. You know, if there's mold in the wall of your house, tear the mold out, rebuild right. it, replaster right. it, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> some of it is concerned with the ethnic pure, with the purity of Israel. So even like the two fabrics in one garment mm-hmm. is supposed to be a worn symbol of your separation from the communities around you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the Old Testament, they really struggled with that, like having communities mingle, right? They were mingling with communities around them all the time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't preserve their ethnic identity, right? Well, I mean, that's what happens when you get d- d- conquered and taken mm-hmm. slave and, you know, moved around. And yeah, I mean, I think it goes <clears> both <throat> ways because e- even if you conquer, right, mm-hmm. and leave the people in the land, then you still have that problem. Right. And if you are conquered, which they were many times, um, <clears throat> same problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so what God wanted to do is preserve this people as an ethnic unity so that Christ could come in time and um, be the Savior of the world, you know, good things. <clears throat> so the law, uh, let's see. So there's the like health medical kind of thing. There's the distinction kind of a thing. There's the sanctity end of things to treat certain things as sacred and holy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one where <clears throat> we can misuse that idea, but some things should be considered sacred, that they're set apart for God. Mm-hmm. You know, um, God, uh, it, the law was very specific about the priesthood because there was supposed to be a, a pure priesthood, and the Jews messed that up too, like <laughs> constantly. They just they constantly messed these things up. And that just shows kind of the weakness of human nature without God's help. Mm-hmm. And so in chapter 7, I think Paul's talking about <clears throat> uh, life under the law now that Christ has come. But that doesn't mean that Christians don't also feel um, what Paul felt at the end of 7, right? So sometimes as a Christian, I feel the whole do-do-do thing. I do not understand what I do. Mm-hmm. Why is it that I, as a Christian, forgiven by God, still sin? I would rather not. 
Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it be great if when you became a Christian, you just in the presence of God? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Why didn't he do that? Because he gave us free will. Well, yeah, there's that. that that's the stock answer, right? <laughs> <clears throat> um, I think he left us here for a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, God has chosen to do his work through humanity. There surely was be a better way, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he's chosen to do this work this way. And so he left us here to be people of purpose, uh, people of mission, um, people of grace and kindness who view the world differently. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that want to co-opt that vision of humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think I think we should start from God's kingdom, from being citizens of God's kingdom. Now that I'm here, how do I influence my community for God's kingdom? Mm-hmm. And that has a lot of different layers to it. There's a, a you can view that a number of different ways, um, <clears throat> and sometimes that that's just the subjective element of being a different person, right? Like your role in the kingdom would be different from mine, right? And rightly so, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're a different person than I am, right? So when I feel this way, when I feel the do 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 stuff, when I for what I want to do I do not do, when I'm feeling that. <laughs> That tells me that I'm forgetting the larger context of the section that we're in in Romans, mm-hmm. right? And so what I would encourage people to do, it's like, okay, uh, if I'm feeling that, I need to go back to Romans chapter 5. And I, like, chapter 5 to me is just so amazing, especially at the start. Okay, so in the, in the context of Romans, Paul starts off with sin, where he identifies three different kinds of people. There's the bad person that everybody would be like, oh, yeah, that guy's bad. Right. And then there's the moral person, the guy who follows the rules, and then there's the religious person, the guy who's represented by the Jews. Mm. All of them need Jesus. And then in chapter 3 and 4, Paul introduces a a set of ideas that help people understand that uh, the death of Jesus on the cross was to release you from the slavery to sin that you've been experiencing, to bring you into a new relationship to God. There's the high priest sacrifice aspect of it, mm-hmm. okay? And then there's the legal aspect where you're in the courtroom and the judge pronounces you not guilty, not because of you being not guilty, mm-hmm. but because of Christ, Christ's work on the cross. So you're not guilty, you're released from the slave market of sin, and you're in a new restored relationship to God. Mm. Bam, chapter five. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll be honest with you. When I'm when I'm in the back part of chapter seven, feeling like I'm inadequate and not doing what God wants me to do, I come mm-hmm. here and just sit for a minute. Mm. Like as a metaphor, right? <clears throat> it might be that, um, <clears throat> you know, sometimes we take hits in life and in ministry. Mm-hmm. When you take a hit, sit down for a minute. Say, okay, what's going on? You know, is it a sin? Have I sinned? Mm-hmm. You know, and then there's a procedure to take care of that. Confess your sins. Do all those things. If you've wronged some other person, you want to make it right as best you can. But if it's just living in a broken, fallen world, okay, um, or feeling like you haven't measured up in some way, Mm -hmm. I have peace with God. Okay. So it's not God trying to whack a mole, you know, me. Um, And then it goes on. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so for me, what I do, and I do this when I go in, in prayer, I sort of take a deep breath, I breathe in, breathe out, and then I, I envision myself 
entering the throne room of God and him being excited to see me, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't put an image to God. God doesn't look like a person in my mind. But I just imagine that I'm welcome there. Mm-hmm. That my requests have meaning to God. That my confessions are heard by God. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> I, I stand there, right? Mm-hmm. Grace is unmerited favor, something I haven't earned and don't deserve. But I'm just allowed to stay there. And so stay there. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Okay. If you don't go there regularly, then sin will still use whatever happens in your life mm-hmm. to try and get you off your game. Yeah. To get you frustrated, mm-hmm. to get you upset and angry, to get you ineffective for God's kingdom. Because I don't think that sin has changed its tactics all that much. Mm-hmm. If you if sin could frustrate Christians to just sit around all day and thinking, man, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. Mm -hmm. You're not effective for anything. Mm -hmm. Sin won. The devil won. He doesn't even have to get up off the couch. Mm -hmm. We'll make him get up off the couch, right? (laughs) Come back to Romans 5. Read this. Rest in this. Trust in what God says about you. Um, And then even, like, I, I love how Paul goes... Not, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Mm-hmm. And so I think, in, you know, this is Paul's kickoff for the whole section. So I think this is, this is valuable to, uh, like, you don't have to memorize it word for word unless memorization is really a skill for you. Right. But know where it is, mm-hmm. right? Know that when you've taken some hits to come back here, know that when you're in that Romans 7 section to come back and say, okay, wait a minute, what's God talking about? Uh, <clears throat> what's the context of what God says about me in my new relationship to him? Mm-hmm. Now, Romans has uh, five different sections, and so there's a section that does get to like the service part, the things that we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. And sometimes I think, you know, if Paul is a coach, and this is what the coach is telling you. As you're trying to learn how to go from going forward over the bar to backwards over the bar, he's trying to just reassure you that you're good. Mm-hmm. Like, our relationship is good. Um, your status before me is good. We're going to make some changes. We're going to do some different things. It could be fun. It could be frustrating. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to affect this. And I think that's a ground. That's a foundation to do the work of the church that is different from striving. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of churches and a lot of uh, ministry leaders and pastors, well-intentioned, good people, get so hooked on the imperatives, the do's, mm-hmm. that they forget the indicatives, right? The indicatives are just statements that are true about us and our new relationship to God. Yeah. And the two things work together, okay? Um, <clears throat> if we forget the indicatives, then we're just working. We're right. in Romans 7. We're frustrated. Right. If we remember the indicatives, it's a ground, a basis to say, okay, I can do a little more mm-hmm. because I don't have to worry about failure, right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in ministry that could be considered failures, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> Let me see. Okay, so probably one of the most illuminating, and it, this is not a ministry story. <coughs> so um, I am not a salesman. Okay, mm-hmm. that's not really my personality. 
And I was working at a small Bible college uh, with some friends who are also not salesmen. Yeah. And we hit upon this idea because our work was a little bit flexible. Okay. Okay. So we were going to start a snow removal business. Okay. Okay. And we actually even printed out flyers and stuck them in some mailboxes trying to get some business. Mm -hmm. We didn't do nearly enough of that. Um, we went out and bought a $600 snowblower okay. and a couple of shovels and waited for the money to roll in. <laughs> it did not. We had one customer who paid us $25 maybe three times because none of us were salesmen. It was a massive failure. Mm -hmm. And so I bought out my companions. I have a very nice snowblower. It's a little <laughs> old now, but very nice snowblower sitting in the garage. It's coming in handy this year, right? <clears throat> Uh, not not this year. Um, if I was up in Jackson again, yeah, it'd be very handy. They had about eight inches up there. So. Again, we are on the right side of the snow effect. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. We're not in Buffalo, that's for sure. Okay. Um, or Cleveland. <clears throat> and and you know how do you pick yourself up and dust yourself off from that failure, right? Mm -hmm. If I had too much invested in it, or if it was, uh, if it had become to me something that was like, if I don't do this, God's not happy with me. Mm -hmm. And that would be a crushing blow. Mm -hmm. But. That's not what the text of Scripture says. Mm -hmm. And that's why we kind of go back over and over and over again. And you can do this through through Romans 5, through Romans 6. I think, um, of course, another place to go. Well, Romans 6, 1. Paul uses these rhetorical questions over and over again. What shall we say then? Are we taking... So at the end of chapter 5, he says, look, um, wherever sin increased... Grace increased. God, God is more powerful and more able to forgive than you are to sin. And somebody would be like, well, let's do some sin, <laughs> right? If, mm -hmm. if my sin magnifies God's grace, well, let me help God out. And Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so that's where uh, this picture is actually a baptism picture. And so if you, if you recall your baptism, when you were lowered into the water, that's a metaphor for your death. It's a symbol of your separation mm -hmm. okay, from the old way of life. And then when I hold you under for a minute, mm -hmm. two minutes, <laughs> actually, funny story, um, little boy didn't want to go under, and I shoved him. Mm. Not just for us, just to get his face wet. I didn't abuse the child or anything. Okay. He got up after a while. <laughs> That's not true. He came right up. Um, <clears throat> but, but, you know, that experience is something we should go back to and remember because it means not just that we were dead, but that when you come out of the water, you're raised to a newness of life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's an important picture because if Paul uses it here, you know, we're supposed to keep sinning. Why? Why would you keep doing what was just death to you mm -hmm. when you have the opportunity for new life? He uses that again in um, in the law. He says, why should we who are dead to the law keep trying to follow the law? Yeah. And that's where this week we're going to get into Romans chapter 8. And... <clears throat> Romans 8 introduces the life of the Spirit. It starts with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I Again, you, you go back to 5.1, we have peace with God. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
And it becomes this foundational piece inside my mind and heart where if I didn't, so uh, in 2020, when the pandemic kicked off, I thought, great, I'm going to read 50 books this year. <laughs> I read like two. <laughs> and I was like, I, I missed my goal. Did I miss God's goal? No. no. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I don't read 50 books this year, it's okay. God still loves me, right? Mm-hmm. How many books did you read last year? I don't know. I'm already three in. Three in? Wow. Psycho. I've in a, in finished two. I'm, in the th- I'm on the third. Yeah. Something good? No. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> I read, what did I just finish? It was, it was not fiction. It was like a historical thing I just finished. Oh, The Wager. Oh. If you like adventure stories, The Wager is a great adventure story. Okay. From the 1740s when guys took a sailing ship around Cape Horn at the bottom of South America mm-hmm. and then crashed the ship. Okay. And had to get back to civilization. Mm. Great story. Um, Cannibalism? <laughs> close. <laughs> okay. Uh, they had to eat stuff like seaweed. Okay. Once people eat seaweed on a regular basis now. Yeah, but this was more like um, washed up crap on the shore of a beach. So it's not really like organic. It would be organic. I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We Pure organic seaweed junk that nobody wants to eat. Anyway, I I think that so many times as Christians, we, we, again, I've said this before, you know, even on this, we get caught up in the imperative and we miss the indicative. We have to have balance between both. If you over, if you over indicative, right, Mm -hmm. then you don't have a serious view of sin. Yeah. If you under imperative, if you over imperative, then you have this performance-oriented mentality that I don't think God wants us to have. Right. I think Paul here in, in Romans 5 through 8 is like a good coach. Because if you're a good coach, you look at your player, and let's say, you know, guy pulls a hamstring. Mm-hmm. What's an athlete's perspective on that? Put me in, coach. I got it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably amped up on, uh, what's that chemical in your brain? Uh, adrenaline. adrenaline. He's he's jacked up on adrenaline. You know he's maybe it doesn't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. He's put me in, coach. And coach says no. You need to sit down and get that looked at mm-hmm. because that's what a good coach does. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes as Christians, that's what we need to do. You know, I, I know a church that just they burned out some volunteers. Mm-hmm. You know, they the volunteers had kind of needed a break, and the church didn't really listen to them. Just burned them completely out, mm-hmm. and it just it affected their marriage. It affected their uh, their relationship to the church, mm-hmm. and that's hard. Yeah. So <clears throat> sometimes coach needs to say, "Hey, sit out for a season," you know, mm-hmm. um, with the intent of healing and getting back in. Mm-hmm. Right. I think sometimes the coach needs to remind you, like when you're trying to switch from going forward over the bar to going backwards, it's like, "Look, you got it. Right, mm-hmm. you can do this." Um, I and think that's. With uh, Jonah starting wrestling, that's oh, one yeah. of the things. Is when he starts getting into the tough spots. It's a mm. you, you see him looking over because I'm normally yeah. over there next to the coach. It, he's looking over there, and it's like, no, you you can do it. You got yeah. it. Rip his head off, son. <laughs> you could like, and you can tell that he's he's struggling, but he's looking for reassurance that mm-hmm. he's doing the right thing. And, yeah, yeah. If you take that kid's arm off, it'll be okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> your son Jonah, he. Uh, <clears throat> 
I have a good relationship with your kids. They assault me. Mm -hmm. And so I was wrestling around and playing with Jonah. And then he started wrestling with the children's director, Miss Gracie. Yes. And I said, if you knock her down, I will give you this $10 in my pocket. Man, he got turned up. Mm -hmm. I was afraid he was going to knock her down. So you, I, left, I left quickly. You And he was still going for her and was really <laughs> upset when he didn't get... Did he I knock her down? No, because I told him to stop because you weren't watching. <laughs> yeah, I left quickly. I'll have to make sure that we I do something for him. For God has done with the law, weakened by the flesh could not do. And so sometimes I think we need to rest in that. Sometimes we need to view that like as a foundation for whatever it is we're trying, you know, in life and in ministry, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> to rest there. But not to stay, not to just stay in the in indicative, but to engage the imperative and do what God wants us to do. If we never get to Romans twelve, right? Because Romans twelve starts starts talking about service, and I think the church needs to have this. Like I think Romans is something you should go through every couple years, mm -hmm. so that you're saying, okay, look, we're going to start at zero. We're going to go all the way through, so that we understand the work of the church is empowered by God's Holy Spirit. It's empowered by God. Mm -hmm. It's not something that just we do. That doesn't mean that we don't advertise. That doesn't mean that we don't host events. That mm -hmm. doesn't mean any of those things. Um, but it also means that it's not really up to us. We're here to participate in what God is doing in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what I got. Okay. What was the question? The smallest country? Smallest country in the world. That led into creating a sovereign citizen country. In Rocky Ridge, Ohio. Yeah, yep. I've heard it's an ideal location. Yeah. The wells there are great. Really? Like the water? Oh, no. No, no not the water. The wells. Well, the I was being sarcastic. Oh. It's it's not the best Don't water. Don't drink the water in Rocky Ridge, Ohio. If you have a filtration system. Oh. All right.